This is the Epilogue Audio Experience. Welcome to the second season of the Passion People podcast series. Today we are in conversation with Ruchi, who is passionate about setting up libraries for school children across the country. She sees a lot of potential in the kind of change that these young kids can bring if their minds are able to be molded by the right kind of books. Being personally impacted by books from an early age, she feels that there's a lot of impact to be made by the work that she's doing through her organization, Let's Open a Book. If this is the first podcast that you're listening to, don't worry about it. You don't need to listen to the previous episodes or you don't need any other context. You can go ahead and listen. Each episode is independent of each other and contain conversations about people who are charting out their own journeys in unconventional and path-breaking ways. This season is going to be different due to bonus episodes, a new website that we're going to be launching soon, and physical meetups. Watch this space for more. Ruthie, first off, thank you so much for doing this and taking time off your schedule for the podcast. Sure. Can you do a quick intro for our listeners? Yep, sure. So my name is Ruchi. I work with four non-profit schools. And alongside, I also have a voluntary initiative called Let's Open a Book, where we set up libraries for children in government primary schools. Nice. So what's your passion? That's my passion. So <laughs> the... The whole libraries thing, working with children, um, making sure that every kid has access to books and uh, reading materials and just like orienting them into the entire culture of reading. That's what I really am passionate about. Okay, that's really nice. But uh, what got you attracted to to the sector? Like what got you here? I think it was a little bit me getting attracted to the sector and the sector pulling me towards it too. So... I think growing up as a kid, it was there in my home environment. So my grandfather uh, worked on a lot of social initiative projects. So I've seen that growing up as a kid. I've seen people reaching out to him for help. That was like part of our everyday life. And then as I grew up in college, I took up working with a nonprofit organization where I spent time with kids and with uh, young adults, teaching them uh, communicative English. Where is this? This was uh, in Calcutta. That's where I'm from. And uh, it was at a government shelter home where there were these uh, young women who had been rescued from red light areas of the city. And uh, they, were, they were there to learn basic skills so that they could earn a living for themselves. So mm-hmm. I was doing a project where I was kind of working with them on communicative English. We used a little bit of poetry. To be honest, I didn't really know what I was doing back then, just that I had to do something to help them express themselves in English. But after that, I kind of came to Delhi to do my MBA and just got into a corporate job. I think it was somewhere all along, except that I wasn't, you know how it is, right? Like you think that it's just one of those things you would do when you have some time. And But then uh, three years ago, I started volunteering with another organization and then they had a library on their campus, which was not really being utilized as much as it should have been. And that got me started. Like I, I was just that, oh my God, there are these thousands of books and I just have to make sure that somebody finds a way to access these. So I think that's how it all started. Mm-hmm. So growing up, how do you think uh, these... Uh uh, I guess these experiences have molded uh, molded your thought process or molded the way you look at the world. 
or I'm, I, I know from as a fact that uh, Calcutta is a very uh, you know a reading heavy kind of yeah. a town right yeah. Yeah. so is, is that what is in some ways being translated or projected uh, out absolutely so again like I think a lot of my influence has come from my grandfather so mm-hmm. he wasn't somebody who had a lot of formal schooling in fact I think he just went to school after the fifth standard but he was a self-taught man so he would read a lot and I remember every Friday he would bring like two comics right like those stinkers and uh, chumpak and everything and me and my elder sister we'd be just like really waiting until late in the night just to see the books that he had gotten for us so I think that was one of the things the second thing is uh, back at school whenever you were like a you know you did something you did well at an extracurricular or something they would give you books instead of giving you medals so that was the second thing and the third thing was the library the school library so that defined the access I had to books and then when I go back and think about all of this a lot of who I am and how I think has come from all the reading that I did as a kid you know you how how you think that you should give certain things to kids and not give certain things to kids but I remember quite a few of those reading influences and you know there were moments when I was thinking like, oh wow yeah like you know this is one way of looking at it so I absolutely think uh, that my environment and, you know, as a part of being a Calcutton or just the environment at home, it has hugely contributed. I really think you can influence a child's belief system up to a great extent if they become avid readers. Yeah. Brilliant. Any, any particular books you want to you wanna recollect <laughs> of, that off the top of your head? Okay, there's one book which is very close to my heart and I keep gifting it to like everybody I know and that's The Little Prince. Okay. What I love about that book that if you look at it, it's just like a simple story, right? Like you could read it to a child and it would make sense and you could read yourself and it could be something so different. Like, you know, it has things, like it is life lesson. I love the different levels on which the book works. So irrespective of who reads it, it means something to them. So yeah, that's that's the top of my list, I think. Fantastic, so this is The Little Prince by? Okay, uh, no idea, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do have an idea, just can't recollect. Right? <laughs> no problem, I'll, 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 I'll put it up in the podcast notes. I'll find it and I'll put it in the podcast notes. Fantastic. Now coming back to your your non not for profits and you're working for for these couple of schools and you have your own initiative, right? So maybe you want to wind us back a couple of years to kind of figure out how you reached here and, and tell yeah. us a little bit of your story. Yeah, sure. So uh, like I said, I moved to Delhi to do my MBA. Uh, right after MBA, I worked with a couple of consulting firms. So I was with Etikani for a few years, and then I was with Bain and Company for a couple of years. And I did a bunch of roles. So I did uh, business research, analysis, knowledge management, training, recruitment. Also worked on a couple of CSR projects at uh, Bain. It was after I joined Bain that I started working on the library project. And that was in a voluntary capacity. I worked on that for like about a year. And uh, most of my colleagues at Bain knew about this. Bain has this fantastic uh, initiative. It's called Seeds of Hope, where they invite entries uh, for social projects. So it's like a seed funding contest where you can pitch uh, your idea and if your idea gets selected, then you win a funding, except that all these ideas have to be in the social development space. So uh, that is when a couple of my colleagues reached out to me and said, hey, like, you know, 
maybe we can pitch your idea, maybe we can like, you know, uh, work up an extension of what you're doing. So that was way back in 2015. This was December 2015. And luckily enough, we won the competition. So we got to seed funding that kind of um, helped us get through 2016. They basically were very supportive and said, okay, fine, like, you know, you, why don't you guys just go ahead with this and uh, implement it. Now, but then somewhere along last year, I realized that this is what really kind of makes me happy. I think I had realized that it just makes sense for me to move into the nonprofit space. So then I quit my job at Bain and I took on this new role. Uh, it's with an Indian conglomerate where they have four nonprofit schools in Rajasthan and MP. And I travel to these schools and the idea is to transform these schools into places where a child can go and really get good education. That's beyond rote learning. You know, mm-hmm. a child can come in and we help them achieve their full potential without really trying to mold them all the same way. Okay. So how have these schools or the uh, kind of work that you guys have been doing over the past couple of months, how, have the, how has the transition been for the school and for the students? I, I think the last couple of months is probably too soon to really talk about what changes have already come by. I think that's the thing like in, in education space and especially non-profit education space. I think it's, it's a slow change prog- uh, process because... You're talking about behavioral change. But there are a couple of initiatives which we are really focusing on. One of this is this entire concept of art integrated learning. The the premise of this is that you use art as a process to guide a child into exploration, right? So art is not really the end to itself, but uh, considering that every child has a different ability or interest area, so you use art as a medium to help them learn along the uh, process. The second thing we are doing is we are transforming the libraries at these schools. And that's as part of your initiative that gets clubbed with this? Yes, yes. Okay. So it's a beautiful synergy that comes out of it that I'm able to basically take my area of passion and put it at my workplace too. Again, you know how typically school libraries are, right? Like, mm-hmm. So one but of my... These, yeah. uh, these are government libraries, government schools? Or these no, are... these are not government schools. These are your regular schools. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, so we are trying to transform the libraries at these schools too, but also make them friendly spaces where a child can come in and spend leisure time so it's not restricted access and the other thing we are working on is starting to promote this culture of reading at a very young age typically you would have library periods after a kid gets into like the fourth or fifth standard mm-hmm. sometimes they might they might go in early but usually the content is not there so age appropriate content especially for kids in the primary section is usually not there in school libraries so that's the other thing we're working on, creating a space where every child finds something that would interest them. Okay, nice. I, I think we've already spoken about the impact of reading uh, reading on young minds. And I guess initiatives like these will go a long way in molding the future generations of students who, are, who would be like huge benefactors of these, of these projects, right? But like you said, these are all long-term projects that that yield results over over a period of time. Right. Uh, so how do you how do you think of uh, how do you in in your mind how do you think of progress or how do you how do you assess the fact that I'm moving forward? Right. While I don't have any set defined metrics, but there are small things in which when you start seeing change, it means that you're doing something right. For mm-hmm. example. 
One of the problems at uh, at a school that I was working with is the availability of data because they're not really used to that system. Like, you know how it is in a typical consulting setup. We're like collecting data all the time, analyzing it, coming to conclusions, but that's not how things are at the schools. So one of the things I'm working on is uh, starting this entire thing of collecting data and sending it real time. So, you know, that means moving beyond your registers and like say working on a Google Sheets to capture the data. For example, if I take the example of the library that I'm working on, all the books that we are currently adding to the library or the ones we want to add to the library. So there's one common Google Sheets that I and the folks at the school are using. Now, remember that these are people who are one not even used to using data or using the internet or like so when you see them being able to use the google sheets correctly and you know every time they want to do something or just say add a new tab and create a separate sheet Mm -hmm. i know that this is headed the right way so the first step is like you know kind of graduating them to start using it but the sheet will be filled with errors and this and that and you know there'll be a lot of data gaps so then the second step is telling them, hey, like it's great you started using the sheet, but now can we get to the next level where you enter the data correctly? Or can you kind of, you know, correct your own data that might not be uh, done well previously? So these are the ways in which I feel like, okay, yeah, I can see that progress. You, these are not things you can define, right. uh, like define very well, but it just, you know, it's, you know, you're heading in the right direction. Yeah. Got it, got it. And so you, you you mentioned a couple of corporate consulting assignments that you had worked on before you moved on to the not-for-profit yeah. world, right? Yeah. So how how did you how how did you think of that transition in your head while you were moving? Uh, were there any specific uh, things that you know analyzed before you made made that decision, or was it a more you know uh, was it like a light was it kind of like a light bulb moment when where you were like you know maybe now it's time for me to move on i would love to say that i thought this through and it was a very rational move but it wasn't to be honest i think it was there all along and then just one day the light bulb thing happened except that the light bulb wasn't like the first part wasn't really that okay i want to move into the nonprofit education sector The first part was that I want to be doing something different. And it was strong enough for me to want to quit my job and just take the time to figure out what I wanted to do. And until this time, to be honest, I hadn't realized that this is what I really wanted to do. It was only after quitting and taking a few months off when, you know, I got the time to step back and think about what I really liked doing that this kind of started making sense to me. So I realized I love being around children and I love uh, I love it when I'm able to help a kid pick up a book and read, right? Either by providing access or by talking to them. And then I realized that I love working on spaces where a child can come pick a book and read. So that is when I started kind of trying to find a role which would help me do all of this and also pay the bills for me. <laughs> right, right. Got it. But how have your, uh, how have the learnings that you have uh, 
gathered in your corporate assignments or do you see any interplay with the of that with what you're doing right now in the not for profit space yes yes to be honest i didn't think that i would be able to take away a lot of it and really put it to use but all of the skills that i've learned on job and during my corporate experience i feel like i'm able to apply all of those here right so even before i moved into a corporate job after my mba i did like one year of copywriting with an advertising agency so you know you learn how to write how to write materials how to edit work on newsletters etc in a corporate life like i've already talked about the different things i did and it's interesting because i'm able to kind of use all of those and apply it at my present job you know things like recruitment working with people uh, you know project management planning everything like it's interesting like i i i really didn't think i was going to be able to use that much of it but i am so it's good <laughs> that's fantastic so how did did you have any um, difficulty convincing your your parents or uh, you know your uh, relatives or whoever it, your you know your respective stakeholders so to speak that uh, for the move or was it more natural for them to say of course you know we we thought that you would be doing this all along kind of a thing it wasn't that straightforward with the parents <laughs> because you know even though the non-profit sector is really growing and more and more people are you know opting for it as a full uh, like a full-time career option but it wasn't that easy to convince my parents like they understand that I'm I'm a grown-up individual and I have the right to make my choices So I wouldn't really say that they were thrilled at the idea of me moving full time to the non-profit sector because they worried a little bit about job stability. They worried a little bit about whether I had a future. I think they almost pictured me, you know, wearing a kurta, taking a jhola, going from door to door, trying to do something. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they they gave me the benefit of the doubt, and you know. I think they're in the process of coming to terms with it but it's interesting because I've had a lot of support from my friends peer and my extended network it's it's amazing when you find people who come to you and tell you that oh my god like it's it's great that you're doing this thing that really keeps me going so I do have enough support on that front yeah got it so <laughs> I guess I guess when we're doing something uh, new or different, right? I I I feel that the people around us, they they kind of focus on how long you've been doing this for, yeah. how consistent you are with with your effort, right? And and also how how disciplined you are with it. Yeah. And I I guess based on uh, based on whatever we show them, uh, their support will accordingly be be modified. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. So for for. So, Rishi, in terms of in terms of uh, things that people could do, right? Not in terms of things that people can implement. Would there be would there be certain things that you wanna you wanna tell our listeners to kind of think about how uh, how you can connect these various experiences that uh, you generally have? Yeah. So, I I think that it's important to constantly connect the dots as you go along, right? Like, oh, we have a tendency to think uh, that okay. you know you're from a corporate background so maybe there's not so much you can bring to the non-profit sector or like whatever life experiences that you've had might not really contribute to what you want to do because they don't seem 
to be that similar on the surface but i very strongly believe that whatever you do in life or whatever life lessons you take away are always interrelated you might not be able to make sense of all of it at one go but if you think about it, if you give it just some time you'll be able to constantly connect the dots like i said like i i've seen that home environment where my grandfather you know did a lot of social work i went to college and you know i volunteered with some ngos i came back here and i started working with another ngo and now i'm doing what i'm doing did i know about all of this when i was moving from one step to the other no so when i started volunteering in college at that time i didn't realize that my influence was actually my grandfather it wasn't like until that i made the move from the corporate to non-profit that i realized oh my god this is always what i wanted to do like you know because there are things and out like there are whales of sorts right like when we're talking about one thing or the other they're just like constantly something that is obstructing us from seeing things clearly and it's fine right like it's okay that i didn't see like i didn't connect the dots back then but then now when i'm able to connect the dots it just makes sense and i think it's similarish to how we could see our careers also right like i did my copywriting like way back in 2007 at that time i learned something and i wasn't even sure if i was ever going to use it in my mba because that's not what you do once you graduate and you're in a corporate world but then um now like almost after 10 years i'm able to use those learnings and put it on the job mm. and uh, similarly like you know when i was doing my research or knowledge management uh, or even recruitment or trainings i didn't think i was going to be able to take away those and just do something differently with all the experience i had so i think it is very important to not be completely compartmentalized and just be open to doing different things and you know just basically moving forward constantly makes sense but i guess in uh, when when you're in such a sector there isn't uh, there isn't like a really stable source of revenue so to speak mm-hmm. right because because you need to figure out your uh, operations based on your funding and that yeah. and that will require you to reach out to people ask 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 for help yeah right so is there uh, and generally uh, at least pers- at least for me as an individual i find it really hard to ask for help and right. so um, so is there uh, anything that you do that kind of helps you get over that inhibition yeah i i think i identify with that feeling that it's difficult to ask for things especially with people you don't really know that well but when i'm working on the project i don't see this as something that i'm doing for myself uh, i'm very clear that every rupee that is being donated by anybody is being used to help a kid read now that is something that i believe in very very deeply So when I'm reaching out to people it's not because I'm reaching out to them for myself right it's not something I want for myself it's something that I want for a kid so it's easy for me to talk to them about that and it doesn't seem like asking for money anymore it seems more like trying to get the right resources to a child so I think that really is helpful and having having the outcome or the vision yes. and connecting that correct to the uh, to the request that you make yeah makes sense makes sense uh, any general any other general thoughts for people who want to who want to make that uh, transition from a corporate or a formal setting to a non corporate world are there any are there any things that you wish that you had known earlier uh, you know that that would have made your progress uh, faster or smoother yes uh, i think we tend to think 
too much. I really think we tend to overthink. Even though in my case, you know, I, I thought at some point in time I took the call and just decided to step back and see what I wanted to do next. But and then it wasn't an easy move to nonprofit even at that point, right? Because you think about like, you know, not getting paid well enough or you think about missing the corporate life or you think about what if this is just me being very idealistic and obviously I can't change the world. But it's worth taking a shot, I think, right? So if if I had any clue that my life after this change would be what it is right now, I would have made the move much sooner. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's okay for I, I I think we just take our jobs way too seriously and it's okay to let go and say that hey it's fine if you want to define it for yourself, right? Like you say, okay, I'm going to try doing this thing for one year, after which I'm going to just like, you know, if it doesn't work out, I'm going to come back. So at the end of the day, you're just losing that one year and you you have all the chances of coming back to the corporate world because corporates are getting less and less close-minded about people coming from the non-profit uh, background. In fact, they appreciate it if somebody's taking off time to just do something they care about. So I think for us as individuals, we don't need to, think of it as an absolute move for the rest of our lives right just knowing that you can always come back if it doesn't work out and knowing what is really at stake so your entire career is not at stake only that one year is at stake and hey do you care enough to gamble on that one year is the question you need to ask yourself wow that's that's that i think that's a really profound insight (laughs) and uh, you know by extension of of that insight i think the same would also apply to whether we're doing something new or whether we're following yeah. a passion or Absolutely. regardless of what it is right yeah. but but like you said we we tend to overthink it and we say that oh my god my entire life is going Correct. to change right? but maybe it doesn't That's not it, true. It, it doesn't have to be like that and, right. Right. and and having those boundaries also really helps because otherwise you you kind of go unregulated and maybe you know you you also need to remind yourself that you know I've come here for a reason exactly yeah and uh, you know as we as we come to like the end or towards the uh, towards the, the fag end of our conversation we we do a standard set of questions mm-hmm. uh, you know with all of, all of our listeners so you know coming coming to those standard set of questions sure so uh, apart from uh, apart from the book that you've already mentioned any other uh, favorite reads or any other books that you would recommend okay the only, the other book i can think of right now is uh, how to be a boss <laughs> Okay, by Lily Singh. By Lily Singh. Okay, <laughs> I love the book because it has some really practical advice on I'm life. I'm reading it currently. You are? Do you like it? I like it. Yeah, so it doesn't go on as a discourse, right? So it's not right trying to tell you that do this, don't do that. But um, I feel like it's a very it's it's a set of really practical advice for you know, especially for young adults. Yeah, that's the other one I can think of right now. Yeah. So, who would be um, in in your mind? Who 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 do you have as an inspiration or someone that you really look up to? For me, I think inspiration is meeting all of these people who have decided to kind of leave whatever they were leaving and who have moved into the nonprofit space and are pursuing their own projects or initiatives it just amazes me how they have found the strength and conviction to pursue what they want to do so it's not just one or two people and given what i'm doing these days i just meet these people on a daily basis that is what i find to be really inspiring like you know, just reading about all of these real people like you and me who are trying to do something different 
brilliant <laughs> how do you how do you deal with um, how do you deal with fear oh wow what's your what's your framework <laughs> for uh, handling fear okay so <laughs> very early on in my life i kind of sat myself down and um, i just asked myself what was my greatest fear and at that point in time my greatest fear was not being able to sustain myself financially and then i defined uh, what was the minimum amount that i needed to survive on a like if i didn't have a job and if just things went horribly like could i still earn that kind of money to be able to have like you know uh, my meals and my accommodation just like you know the absolute basics mm-hmm. and it's and it's surprisingly low amount it's a really low amount <laughs> so you know just knowing that that is really what i need to survive and having a confidence that oh yes that is something i can absolutely earn it doesn't matter whether i have a stable job or not so that's one of the things but there are always these days when there's a self doubt and you ask yourself am i just crazy to be doing what i'm doing so i have my own set of friends and when i call them with a call like that they know what to do so they would be like no you are not crazy and yes what you are doing makes sense <laughs> and it works right. so i guess having the support system yes yes it's really helpful i think i am i'm really grateful because the 3 years that i have been working on this project i've had a huge huge group of supporters these are friends these are peers colleagues these are seniors from college it's just been fantastic i don't like because there's so many moments when you feel like it's not worth it but these are the people who really kind of keep you going by believing in you so i do not think i would have been able to do without them yeah so ruchi for people who want to who want to be a part of uh, let's open a book is there any way that they can reach out uh, reach out to you or is there any way they want they can uh, send an expression of interest for being involved absolutely so we have a facebook page by the same name it's called let's open a book so anybody who's wanting to get in touch with us can either log on to the facebook page send us a message we're super responsive so that's one of the ways or they can write to us at team loab at gmail.com so that's team let's open a book loab is short for it or oh, let's open a book we would be more than happy for people to reach out not just to help us with resources but we're constantly looking for individuals who can help us with the skill set this is completely a volunteer driven project so you know everybody's doing everything so you know we have folks doing fundraising we have folks um doing social media or you know whatever it really takes to run a project like this so especially if there are individuals who would like to contribute their skill set irrespective of where they are uh, geographically mm-hmm. we would be really thrilled to hear from them fantastic i'm sure uh, you know a couple of our listeners would be interested and hopefully you know you'll get uh, you'll get a couple of responses for yes, that yes i'm keeping my fingers crossed <laughs> and also for uh, you know would you also be open to now hearing from people who want to make that corporate or not for profit jump or you know doing something which is a long shot and may need some support or guidance or mentoring in that direction absolutely 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 any experience um that i can share with them would they be interested in knowing about or just hearing about how it went for me i would be more than happy to help like for me it was huge support having people around that i could reach out to and talk to 
so if there's absolutely anything i can do i'll be more than happy to do that brilliant brilliant that that would be great i hope people reach out sure that's really nice that's really heartwarming to hear <laughs> thank you and in conclusion how how, how does it feel to be featured on uh, the passion people podcast it feels fantastic <laughs> I absolutely love you for pursuing your passion and I'm really thankful that you're making me part of it so thank you. Thank you. It's been it's been wonderful talking to you Ruchi. Likewise. Thank you. So that's about it guys. Uh, that's a wrap for episode 1 of season 2. Uh, look out for another episode in 2 weeks time. We release a new episode every Monday now as against every Friday in the past. Just you liked what you heard. Please spread the word, talk to your friends and hit the subscribe button. If you really liked it, leave us a review. Thank you so much. Until next time.